This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Previously on 94 Chill, the podcast. Hello? Good morning, Uma. Where am I? You're in paradise, of course. this place this is an opportunity Uma if you could learn your place you have your best years ahead of you our family sent us here to shape us in their image (laughs) you're in our brave new world now it's about owning your story who you truly are you don't have to change who you are There's always a way to get what you want. I'm getting out of here. Every night they make us sleep like we're dead. It's as if that girl never existed. I promise I'll find you. So I've just concluded watching Paradise Hills, a attempt at a, well, you know, if I go and compare it to something, then it's a spoiler. Basically, let's just leave it at Emma Roberts, Aquafina. they are two daughters who just aren't living up to their family's expectations of, you know, being damn near aristocratic, so... They are sent to an island, Paradise Hills, I suppose. They just say paradise in the film. Where Mila Jovovich Jovovich tries to brainwash them. Aquafina's good in it. Emma Roberts, you know, take or leave. Um, Any time Mila Jovovich is the villainess, there's a chance that you're going... There's going to be at least something worthwhile about it. So if you're referring to the Edward Norton, Robert De Niro film, Stone, which she was also in... She's not really, in the end of that one, she's not really the villain. It could have, it really plays up the YA stuff. It's got a sisterhood vibe that I compare to Fox Fire with uh, Angelina Jolie from about 1996. I believe it's produced by Samuel Goldwyn, like this feature. So he knows the market, or they know the market. I would have gone initially... I thought it had a good Rotten rate, rotten Tomatoes. I think it critics just caught up with it, and now it's not really mentioned. This is a nice YA version movie that was from the 1970s about, you know, if you can't beat them, replace them, and we'll leave it at that. No other films I'm going to mention. I don't know. It could have probably used some humor. It could have probably gone straight horror and been a little more interesting. I mean, it isn't bad, but, you know, it's not screaming that it's a must-see film. It's pal- I guess it's just inoffensive. You know, I'm doing a podcast for 
90 minute sub 100 minute features and I think a lot of the time that's all you want so Paradise Hills may have been a success Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll Bring the noise Thanks for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. And I'm still doing my best to preserve everything from Podbean. Once that relationship ends, we're not looking till March of next year, but better safe than sorry. So that is the plan still. And fortunately, I've been able to get all the larger episodes for the most part taken care of. I don't want to go through another uh, bashing of the MCU, especially after the c2e2 experience so you know of like no let's just undo maximalist cinema in general is my stance but you know some people instead of wanting comic books wants top gun maverick and it's like uh i don't think we can have it both ways so uh we just heard a review for paradise hills with uh emma roberts and mila jovovich which is a lot of fun for me, probably up the alley for the Hands Made Tale fans, but, you know, I'll, I canceled Hulu, so I don't really have that access right now to clarify that, so we're going to throw in a couple of uh, stinkers, I think, just to balance this six-pack of movies out, but we're going to feature Class Action Park, a uh, documentary on HBO Max about action park uh we'll throw in risky business something that you know everybody talks well of but you know tom cruise always kind of i'm not i'm still not sold on the guy but that one's a lot of fun uh and the big one we'll do is spiral from the book of saw uh the first feature i saw back in cinemas uh once everything opened back up so and so yeah it's gonna be a little more thorough than the rest uh, so we'll probably try sandwiching those weak ones right in the middle. So you prepare to grin and bear it. Otherwise, I need guests for the podcast. Send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com with a movie theme director and actor. We'll make some fried gold. So thanks for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast, and enjoy the show. They warned us that something was coming. If there is ever an end in this forever war it will be because of you and your strong right hand I'm on your side sorry my bad we're the line in the sand we fight against the forces of darkness this is it we're expecting a sign that says secret headquarters I need some ID, love. Um, are you serious? You made me a damn weapon. I just wanted to help you become the best you. Some dads get their kids Legos. Haven't we got to be saving the world or something? Does it do anything special? Yeah. It smashes things real good. Come on! Come 
man's best and only hope. I thought we were supposed to be fighting monsters, not working with them. Who you call a monster, pal? You look in the mirror recently? He's an asshole. Sorry! I interrupt! On the contrary, you've arrived just in time. just concluded watching Hellboy from 2019, directed by Neil Marshall, and I found it to be a pretty satisfying experience, so but Neil Marshall, I think he is, uh, perhaps the Takashi Miike of, uh, Western cinema you know, take that for what it is you either like it or you won't I mean, you, come on, you like the Battle for the Wall, you like the Battle of King's Land and give Neil Marshall a chance, is all I'm saying now, there's plenty of flaws with this film. I think the soundtrack, not until the very end, which does prove a point, though, that any film with Kickstart, My Heart by Motley Crue is definitely somewhat redeeming. Never mind, any movie with a Muse song is going to work. I mean, a Muse song used through an entire scene. This is uh, really the only reason, like, I cannot get enough of high tension. The twist sucks in that movie. But, hey, newborn, what can I say? You know, it's uh, too much CG for Neil Marshall, despite I love the apocalyptic imagery. It's great to see that the first people who die in an apocalypse are the ones wearing the business professional all the ties. Somehow I feel comforted with that. Har David Harbour is not the established character actor that some might think he is. He's definitely not Ron Perlman, so that's a step down. There's a lot of step downs. I mean, they try throwing in a new origin story for Big Red, and it kind of falls flat. They try throwing in too many story element, line elements. Like, you're, you're hoping for sequels, White, and they do promise a lot for the sequels. It's just we're not going to get them, obviously, with that box office. I think I've covered everything real quickly. Hopefully, somehow we'll get Lobster Johnson again, played by Thomas Hayden Church. I doubt it. I will say this about the film. It only really feels long in when you take in how many twists they try to throw into it. It doesn't feel like a two-hour experience. That's a plus, I guess. They're, I could cut a half hour out. It could be a 90forchill.com. It is fun. Give it a shot.
Watching the Kickstarter funded, which gosh, I wonder why I don't have my movie out because of that. Nocturne, directed by Stephen Schmeck. It is a Best Picture winner for LA Thriller Fest. Well, that must have been a lame festival. This was from 2016. It's a story about a bunch of kids who go to a graduation party. One of them had to be intellectual and had to disprove religion by attempting a makeshift seance the deck of cards of course it ends up bringing a demon back out and possesses one of the kids quote unquote chaos ensues and we even try time loop stuff honestly first two acts not too bad i mean it does a good job of building suspense we're expecting something grand and then it's all ruined by crappy cg effects crappy practical effects it's just misses on all cylinders and when you combine that with a totally unbelievable cast at least our primary actress i suppose who plays the antagonist eventually becomes the antagonist and the only one who could really probably handle all the dialogue they are given she is definitely way too old to be in this role so it kind of takes you out is basically like this is somebody with a script they took whatever they could get which hey i could applaud that and they're not that bad at directing it honestly until we get to that third act where it just okay you were expecting something maybe clever maybe in the lines of a paranormal activity instead we just get all the old horror tropes and it just totally misses 90 for chill the podcast is happy to bring to you a five-star offering from the poetic critic all one word on letterboxd.com there's nothing in the world like action park baby let the the story of action park is a true crime story as you entered the park, you saw this thing, and you're like, this is real. The engineering behind this, if there was any engineering, was just nuts. Build it higher, make it faster, people control the action. Combine that with liquor and anything goes. There were no rules. For a lot of kids, that was heaven. And if you couldn't swim well, yikes. I don't think you can understand a place like Action Park if you don't understand the kind of minds that build it. Mm-hmm. 
A lot of people wish they could ignore rules. Gene actually did that. Nobody would give him insurance, so he created his own insurance company and then insured himself. It did bring sometimes a criminal element. I don't know how many people died at Action Park, but it wasn't just one person. Electrocuted. Decapitated. Fractured vertebrae. Impaled on the bowl. Had a heart attack. Nobody should ever be the second person to die in a wave pool. Close the wave pool. just concluded watching Class Action Park, the HBO Max exclusive documentary about Action Park in New Jersey from late 70s to about 1996, the most dangerous park, amusement park, water park actually, that ever existed. So it's it's fun. They really do. Uh, I think it's really a great experiment in Gen X and how we just really were kind of an ignored generation. Gave us great music in the 90s, my opinion, but otherwise, we were just expected to not be in the way of our parents. Greed was good. Coke was probably better. This uh, documentary captures all of that. Now, it, I probably would have done some editing changes, because if you're going to have a upbeat mood about kids essentially dying, you can't really go and just throw the consequences at the end of it. But otherwise, so honestly, I would have gone and thrown that at the beginning. It's 90 minutes, so I think we would uh, get the point. Or we would probably, if we did that, we would probably abandon it. But great narration by John Hodgman. Just the attitude, especially the Jersey sense of it. Just the ultimate display of ignorant white parenting. And how as long as you could pay people off... You could get wherever you wanted to, and I fear we're coming back to that in just a few years. Thank you, COVID, and thank you, Donald Trump, for your idiocy encouraging it. 90 for Chill, the podcast, proudly presents to you Ali's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. So your folks are going out of town. to get to. I don't know, it just kind of seemed a little too hip, 280s for me, I suppose. 
And in the end, I think Ferris Bueller's Day Off ends up kind of fulfilling the same kind of role as this feature. We lack the nudity, the sex, and cursing, but the same kind of story about just saying what the heck to quote Tom Cruise's dad in the feature instead of Curtis Armstrong's What the... It's amusing enough. There's some great moments of direction in like a lot of fantasy realms or turning everything into a fantasy, especially with uh, Naked Rebecca De Mornay. You know, it really, I think, is as good as background noise as anything. Great soundtrack by Tangerine uh, Dream. They'd never mess up on that. There's some pretty memorable dialogue, which I guess makes it timeless, especially for a kid who's living in Champagne right now. And I'm being very generous to myself by using the term kid. You're not going to kick yourself in the head for missing this feature if you're an 80s completist. But there's a lot worse stuff out there. It's kind of fun to see a Tom Cruise that lacks confidence. Is I think the biggest trait of this. You know, perhaps if he could have just been a comedy actor, a pretty Tom Hanks, dare I say. Said he had aspirations to rule the world. You know what? I guess in the end, this is just a great start for that. Showing his range. And as I say, it is fun. Just nothing that you need to run out to see. Now available on video cassette. This package just came in. Father. 
Darren Lynn Bowsman's Spiral from the Book of Saw, I say is definitely top three, top four of the Saw series. I got to see it on the last day. It was in Champaign. By the time I left, I couldn't get myself a selfie with the poster because they had taken it down. So as I say, last show, a nine o'clock show, you know the deal there. Now, this is definitely Bowsman's second best uh, Saw feature. It might be better than two from a technical standpoint, but it doesn't have the gamesmanship that we expect from a Saw movie. As many people have pointed out, including uh, the Stone Gremlin Productions company on YouTube, that it's more of a police procedural. I stated on an earlier podcast with my older sister, the Poetic Critic, that's the Poetic Critic, all one word on Letterbox. that I think it would have probably served itself better if we had the character from Lethal Weapon 4, whom Chris Rock portrayed there, and just brought it into this picture. Kind of like how I think Predator 2 would be a top 10 action movie if we had Riggs alongside Murtaugh hunting down the predator in LA. But I will digress there. When I say that it is a return to form, in a sense, to the original series, I thought Jigsaw, the eighth installment of the series, was fine. And I didn't think it was over the top too much with the gore. I would say with the Spiral, we kind of get a return to form or say an homage to how James Wan nearly gave us a PG-13 suspense thriller instead of a R-rated film that kind of started the torture porn thing with Hostel being only two years later. I guess what I'm getting at there is that the beauty of the film is for the most part, you do have your gorier bits, but... It's more about the implication that something is far more vicious than what you end up seeing. I guess I just appreciate the subtlety. I mean, when I look at Italian horror, you could have your total graphic gore fest of Lucio Fulci, but you can have your gore and beautiful mise-en-scene with Dario Argento. Now, I think the most important thing that we get from Spiral is that we get ourselves another gory annual horror franchise. Kind of, I guess, how John Carpenter imagined the Halloween uh, franchise. We all know the disaster that financially occurred with Halloween 3 being separate from the Michael Myers story, but it was worthwhile at least if we would have just had Halloween 4 lined up right after that and kind of jump back and forth. I think it would have been really good. Now, when it comes to Spiral being from the Book of Saw, meaning that it's not a sequel, it's a spinoff, I would really love a sequel. Of course, we're going to need Chris Rock to be back, and I think we could use a little more Chris Rock type comedy. We only really get two bits with that. The opening where he goes on about how Forrest Gump died of AIDS as he's trying to win the favor with thugs he's gone undercover with. I love the violence and the humor of the crystal meth dealer scene. But when I bring up John Carpenter, I think he's got one more movie in him. Why not let it be a Saw movie? A lot of these uh, horror movies nowadays are pretty derivative of John Carpenter's Halloween And I would say the John Carpenter Apocalypse Trilogy. What really makes this 
film stand out as a great saw installment is we got a message to all the violence i loved this all caps are bad i'm sorry all cops are bad messaging we have the stories about chris rock trying to stop the jigsaw copycat who is just taking out corrupt eh, corrupt cops so you're definitely cheering, I think, in a sense, for our antagonist a little bit. I guess if there's a fault with the film, it's that Chris Rock's character is just too dedicated to the law to kind of see the way of the killer. As I brought up before, storytelling-wise, it's back up there with the cat and mouse of 5 and 6 and 2 especially, the bait and switch elements are great in it. If there's another flaw besides for our character not relating enough to the killer's intentions is that, I don't know, it might just be the white kid from the early aughts who just, I don't know if I'm down with the change from new metal to hip hop when it comes to the ancillary music. I wish we probably should have just had hip hop to begin with, I guess, because that's how I really know anything about rap is from ECW. Otherwise, I'd be uh, pretty close-minded on that. I can't say I was with too many or I made too many friends who really introduced me to rap. It was all feminist post-punk for me, but... Everybody grows up a different way. And with that said, it brings me to, I guess, my conclusion with the fact that I was only in the theater with two other people, a couple. I just said, didn't give them too many details, so I wasn't doing too much promotion that, hey, I have a podcast. What do you guys think of it? The girl in the couple was, I think, far more impressed with the film, liking the new take on Saw. Well... I think the guy was said he'd recommend the film, but he just seemed to feel like it was a little weird to him, that it wasn't his Saw. If you're really nostalgic, I don't know, really, because when you look at Saw, Saw 2, I'd even say Saw 3, before James Wan and Leigh Whannell left the series, it really just did become about the gore, and it was probably a good move on Bowsman's behalf to skip out on after four i mean we got repo the genetic opera because of that i think that really speaks more to bowsman i can't really say i've seen a lot of his stuff since repo but he's definitely got a better eye for the art of it while i like five and six from the saw series it all became a little gore heavy with seven and four like again i said with the implication that something awful is going to happen compared to actually seeing it. And with Saw 4, it's the entire guy get poking his eye out so that he wouldn't be ripped apart. I don't know if we needed to really see that fully. Or, again, I think we still had a little bit of the beadness from Saw 3 in that feature. So it was almost like an unwinnable trap. Kind of disappoints you. And I guess that might be a flaw with this one because those traps are... Smack! But when it came back to that couple who I was with, looking for the poster to take my selfie with afterwards, I hear how the girl was talking about just liking new things, new takes on things, and how she liked Star Wars, the sequel trilogy, better than either the prequel or the original. And it's like, I don't know, times are changing, or it's just 
what you can claim to be your own. And I think I see that with the Star Wars franchise, and I think it's kind of cool that at least I know the Saw franchise has that now. Again, we need a Saw movie in 2022. We need a Star Wars movie, like, stat. I mean, we had Star Wars movies all the way up till the pandemic. No movie in 2020. Look what happened. When it comes to uh, Jigsaw, I'm sorry, not Jigsaw, Spiral, it's definitely worth your time, and... I think if you're a fan of the series, you'll appreciate it. Maybe you want the gore of the latter half, and I can respect that. I mean, I do watch gory Italian horror, not just Argento. If you're just looking for a clever, horrific film, this is going to be it, and I hope we get more of this. I would love to see where Chris Rock takes this further since he was the executive producer. And that's really, I think, what horror needs is, like Halloween, fans taking over and not bloody Michael frickin' Bay. Can I hear a wahoo?